0: Good morning everybody, good morning and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church where this community of Kensington Unitarians meets each Sunday morning for worship. How are you feeling this Sunday morning? Top of the world maybe? Under the weather? Light and bouncy? Sleepy or wearied? however you got out of bed this morning, whatever journey you have made to be here, just take a moment to know that you yourself are thoroughly welcome here. And take another moment perhaps, and I invite you to bring all of yourself here. Whatever you've got going on, and if you're human, it's likely to be quite a lot, whatever you've got going on, let it be here with us, brought into a place of healing and acceptance, made holy by our presence here today. Listen to these words by Richard Gilbert, in which he invites you to enter a circle of caring. His words seem to quite aptly express something of our gathering here. Come into our circle of caring. Come into this community of gentleness, of justice, and love. Let the healing power of this gathering surround you. Let loving kindness and joy be within you. Let hope infuse you and peace be the law of your heart in this human circle caring is a calling all of us are called so come into this circle of caring And I'm lighting our chalice this morning, this symbol of our Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community the world over, to remind us through this one simple flame that we are not alone. We are all connected, one to the other, one light, one love, one people. I, um, I mentioned uh, that our monthly ministry theme is health and healing. It's perhaps one of those themes I'd rather we hadn't started on after all because there is an awful lot to it and there are a lot of sensitivities about it but I hope I hope this story will in some way speak to all of us. I don't know if you'll have heard it, it's it's the story of a, a tree who went to the doctor and um, and said Doctor, it's it's really quite bad, you know. Um, well, I see," said the doctor. "What what seems to be the trouble?" Ah," <gasps> sighed the tree, as we sometimes do. "I should have come in weeks ago when it first happened. I just stepped out of the shower and I noticed that one or two of my leaves were off colour. No big deal, I thought. No, I'm not going to go running to the internet looking up my symptoms. It, it'll pass. And then there were a few more leaves, red, orange, breaking out all over. And then my neighbors noticed it, they asked if I was okay, and I said, like you do, oh, it's nothing, I'm just a bit under the weather. And then, do you know what happened, doctor? They got it too. It spread all around my friends and my family and they blamed me and I felt so awful, Doctor, because I'd passed something nasty on to them. We were all changing colour. I should have come to you sooner, but... Now I have to speak to you because these red and orange leaves, they're starting to drop off. I mean, we all expect to lose the odd leaf, don't we, when it's windy and the like, but look at me, I'm a complete mess. I've hardly got any leaves left at all. Doctor, have you got a cure for this? The doctor sighed, as doctors often do, and said, I'm sorry, there's nothing that I can do. Have you never seen this before? The tree said. Oh, yes, said the doctor. Do you know, I wrote my dissertation on this very topic. And do you know, I really thought I could do something about it. I found a medicine. I gave it to a tree. And do you know, it didn't work, first of all. But in a few months, new leaves started growing. I was so pleased with myself. But then the leaves fell off again. The illness came back. And then some trees didn't come back to life at all and no more leaves grew. I'm a failure. There's nothing I can do to help you trees. And do you know what then happened? The doctor just burst into t- tears and the tree, who'd been thinking of herself and her leaves all this time, patted the doctor on the back and said, look, I'm so sorry. Don't worry about the medicine for this condition. Do you know what I'm going to do? While these leaves are changing colour, I'm going to sing to the birds. And do you know what? I'm going to wave at everybody who comes by, who looks at my orange leaves in surprise. And do you know what? If my leaves are going to fall off anyway, I'm going to dance and sing and move, and I'm going to scatter my leaves like confetti. I'm just going to dance and dance and dance in the breeze. And the doctor looked at the tree and said, do you think that's going to solve it? Ah, it will solve nothing, said the very wise tree, and it will solve everything. And that's the story of the tree that went to the doctors. And I wish you luck, Jen, with that story and explaining that one. <laughs> And I think any young people who would like to are very welcome to go and uh, have their own program now. I'm going to attempt to relight the. uh, Are you going to help me? Somehow pertinent, doesn't it? A a flickering candle that goes out. And I'm going to invite you to spend some time in prayer and reflection. This is um, a prayer that was written for Mothering Sunday in an attempt to, to understand the complexities of a day like this that focuses on a very important role in human existence and which of course has all the joys and sorrows that you might expect. Let's call on the divine spirit of life and love to be with us now and to help us understand the cycles of our lives and to help us to move with the inevitable changes that life brings. This Mothering Sunday is a time of celebration and a time for gratitude for the gift of life that mothers bring and yet we know that mothering like all human endeavors can be both pain-filled and joyous we remember that no two people have the same experience and that for many people Mother's Day can be a painful time a time when they may feel Excluded, even alienated. So let us therefore open our minds and our hearts to those who, for whatever reason, have not known their own mother. For those whose mothers died when they were too young to remember them or mothers who have had to give up their children or had them taken from them, some of whom may never have felt able to reveal the secret of their motherhood. I think of all those affected by stillbirths and by the anguish of the death of children. For those who are unable to have children of their own and those who choose not to have children. Those whose lives have been blighted by parental cruelty or abandonment and all those brave souls who raise children as single parents. those who are painfully aware of their inadequacies as parents and those whose mothers are ill or infirm or have all too recently died. We know that none of us here is without some pain or error and we find ways to comfort and to make amends. May we hold all these people and all the multitudes of human experiences in our hearts. And in a shared few moments of quiet now, I invite you to focus your thoughts, your prayers on those those you care for. And may the eternal power of life and love ease burdens and lessen suffering. And may moments of joy and gratitude lift our spirits and gladden our days.
1: Amen. Well, Sarah said, uh, our theme is about healing. And I'd like... To tell you about one of my primary spiritual practices which is also a form of healing and it is Reiki it came into my life when I was very very young one of my mother's friends was she was awesome she was a witch and she practiced Reiki and she had amazing books in her house that I wasn't allowed to touch but I was very excited by this idea of Reiki and um, years later Jane, of our congregation, offered me a Reiki treatment when I was struggling with long-term vertigo. And it took me a while to come to practice it myself, but when I decided that I really needed to, um, Sonia helped me find two wonderful teachers, and I still practice with those teachers. It's been probably 18 months since my first class with them, and they are helping me continue to learn and and use Reiki in creative ways. Reiki means universal energy. At least that's what it sort of means on the surface. One of the really cool things about Reiki is it has loads of levels. You can peel back the onion and keep on peeling and find different meanings hidden as you go further down. But you can just coast along the surface if you want to, and use it as a hands-on healing technique. There are some fixed hand positions in the Western tradition which were brought to us through the lineage going back to a woman we call Madame Takata, who brought Reiki to the West from Japan. But my teachers advocate a deeper practice, looking into deeper meanings, and there's a Dutch Reiki teacher called Franz Steiner who writes a huge amount, both about using it as a healing technique and as a spiritual practice. Franz argues, quite compellingly, that Reiki is kind of a stripped down Buddhism, that the creator of Reiki, the discoverer of Reiki, put together, so that ordinary people in early 20th century Japan could have access to both the basic and esoteric teachings of Buddhism, which was blended with Shinto and other traditions, because they were often hidden from the ordinary people. And if we look at the core practice of Reiki, which we call the precepts or the Gokai, we can hear echoes of the Eightfold Path. So these principles are, just for today, Do not be angry, do not worry, be grateful, work hard or work on becoming who you really are and be kind and compassionate to all living beings. But, you know, it could just be a touch technique and we have lots of touch techniques. We even just touch a child's knee when he falls off his bike and skins his knee. Or we bump our elbow, we touch ourselves. That's a touch-healing technique too. But it's more than that. Reiki is healing from beginning to end. It has five parts to it. Twice a day, the practitioner is supposed to sit quietly, hands together, and recite those principles. There are numerous meditation techniques as well, and at each level of learning and practice you, you learn more of these techniques. Some of them use visualization, some of them are deep prayer. Hands-on healing is a big part of it. We have something we call the symbols and the mantras, which are kind of like colored lenses. We use them to look at ourselves. and. We chant these mantras sometimes internally to help us focus. Sometimes we scribble the, the symbols in the air. Sometimes my partner will walk into the room and see me doing this kind of thing and it'll look at me like I'm a bit mad. But I'm, I'm using one of the symbols and, and drawing it in the air to help imagine it. And finally there's the Reju or the spiritual blessing. And this is also how we learn Reiki. You don't learn anything it's transmitted to you. There's a a brief ceremony that your teacher performs whilst you sit in meditation. And it's a spiritual connection that transmits Reiki. My experience in transmission is very strange and very powerful. I feel when it's happening, like my teacher sort of cracked my skull open and there's light pouring into my body and I feel it everywhere. It's kind of pain- it's painful actually. Um, I see flashing lights, and when I was given the symbols, the teacher sort of writes the symbols on your hands, over your hands, so they're not touching you, I could see them in my mind's eye. And then when it's over, my head just kind of goes boop, and I feel normal again. So, going back to the main teaching, To remember deeply the precepts every morning and evening was the only written instruction that Mikao Usui, the founder of Reiki, left us. It sets your mind on the right path. If we don't become angry, if we're not angry people, what's left? Compassion. If we don't worry, there's compassion. When we work on being who we really are, we can be compassionate. When we're grateful, we're compassionate. And then there's more compassion. The precepts build on each other. Our greatest stumbling blocks in our lives are anger and fear. When we suffer those, we can't see the goodness in our lives. And we hide our true selves behind layers and layers of protective defenses. And it becomes difficult to be kind to ourselves, never mind anybody else. So Reiki is about revealing our inner light so that we can shine brightly in the world. When we give hands-on treatments, either to ourselves or to somebody else, we can only do it authentically if we do it from a place of compassion. We have to move our small-s self out of the way and be sort of one. The symbols that I talked about aren't magic spells. They help us focus on our inner being and help us become the great bright light. The attunement or the transmission helps open us up to Reiki, but the teacher isn't doing anything to us. The teacher has to move him or herself out of the way again, so that by being empty we can become filled with light. Reiki is a path. We start by doing it and we try to become it. We hear this echoed in other religious traditions. In the Gospel of Thomas, Jesus talks about the need to expose our true selves, to let our lamps shine. Doing this leads to the kingdom of God. He was never focused on what happens after we die. The Gospel is about here and now. And the Buddha, too, speaks of focusing on standing away from the ego, following the Eightfold Path, away from a life of suffering. So none of this is new. Following a spiritual path can lead to healing because it's inner healing that helps us have outer healing. And if we can heal ourselves, then we can heal the world. And we can only heal the world if we can heal ourselves. Jesus told us to love one another as we love ourselves, if we love ourselves. How easy is it to love somebody else? I haven't spoken about meditation techniques at all, because I want to practice one with you. There are lots of them, as I said. Mikao Usui taught Reiki in a very sort of developed way. He would, rather than have a set thing he would do, he would look at the person and work out where they were spiritually and teach them what they needed at that moment. One of the very first things he would teach is something called Joshin Kokyoho, which is the meditation technique to purify the mind. Now, if you would rather sit quietly and ignore me, that's, that's fine too. But I don't want you, before we do jōshin home. I don't want you to think that Reiki is anything special. It's not. The practitioner is attuned to it. So, kind of, you think of a radio. There are radio signals everywhere, and you dial in the station you want to listen to. That's kind of what happens to a Reiki practitioner. You're just dialed into it. But you can feel Reiki as well. So, if you would like, let's... Do something called Lion Plays with Ball, which is a qigong technique that will help awaken the feeling of the energy in your hands. And this is something that we do in Reiki, particularly as we're learning it first, because it's sometimes a difficult thing to get. So, just sit up nice and tall, and relax. And if you bring your hands together in front of you, pretend you're holding a ball. Imagine the ball, and the ball is of light. It's shimmery and sparkling. If you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes. But you can feel that bowl sort of pulsating, so your hands might move in and out a little bit. And you'll feel, perhaps, a magnetism between your hands, or a tingling, or some heat as they start to wake up and you can move that ball around and it gets bigger you can really stretch it out and one of those giant beach balls you can hold it and you can bring it back in together and it gets really dense and really heavy and you can feel the weight of it And then when you want to, you can expand it and pull it back in. And if you're not feeling it quite yet, that's fine. Just keep on moving your hands and you'll wake them up. So this energy, this universal energy is everywhere and we can all feel it. So keep on playing with the ball just for a minute. I'm going to give you some guidance about what we'll do so there are no surprises. I'll sit down with the handheld held microphone and lead the first... We're getting a double whammy meditation today. I'll lead the first part of the meditation and then we'll have some music and then we'll have silence together and we'll end the, the second half of the meditation with a chime from the bell. So if you bring your hands down to your lap, you might still feel a bit tingling or awake, and that's, that's good, that's fine. And then we've got our feet on the floor and just relax. Let's so you have a really deep, almost silly, relaxing breaths. A big breath in Push it out. Let's do another. And you've relaxed much more now. And let's set our intention for our meditation and just let it be for the highest good it can be. And then we bring our breathing back to normal nice and planted on the floor, and as we breathe in, the energy from the earth comes up and it fills our heart, our lower dantian, our root chakra, the base of the spine. It's the center of your energy. And as you exhale that energy into the rest of your body. So have a few breaths, filling the body with light. There might be some places on your body where you feel the energy more, and that's fine. You You can't direct Reiki, it just goes where it needs to. stop at the edge of your skin. You have an energy body too. Sometimes we call it an aura. So breathe that energy out through your skin, into your energy field. Keep drawing. Feel the outer part of your skin start to take and the energy around you wake up a bit. Let's push. Spreads out into the whole city, goes into the street outside, goes along Notting Hill Gate, goes out into all of London, fill London. And spreads from our island into the ocean and fills the other land. healing light from our earth into the system. There are other planets covered with this love. And it goes out into the gap. Dear, one, you are made of stars, your energy is bright and the true manifestation of your being, there is no separation between us. Our original mind is one mind. We are all
0: People um, have been healing each other since the beginning of time. Long before GPs and surgeons and specialists in this, that and the other, people were helping one another, simply sometimes by being there alongside. As a parent to this day will sit with a poorly child and soothe a fevered brow, So we humans have been caring for one another in our woundedness since the beginning of time. And I suspect there has always been an interwoven relationship between healing and spirituality that has reflected our relationship with one another and with the world in which we live. Think of the shamanic healers working between the spiritual and material realms connecting with Mother Earth and the natural world to bring healing not only for the individual but for the community in which we live. Think of the traditional healers who know the powers of plants and minerals to assist someone in regaining wholeness. Think of the monasteries and the temples that were the earliest forms of hospital here in the Western world. It has taken modern medicine many years to remember the importance of the whole person, to learn once more that our symptoms do not exist in isolation, but are part of a much richer picture involving our whole being, our sense of self, our social and cultural setting, our life history, our values. Modern health organisations are starting to recognise the importance of the spiritual dimension in every life, the way we each make sense of our world and our place in it, the way that we come to terms with what is happening to us. We heard a story earlier on of a tree distraught at its falling autumn leaves and of a doctor despairing because they could not stop the tree from eventually dying. One of the vital tasks of being alive and aware is to come to terms with our own mortality, to comprehend the finite nature of life and to make choices then about how we'll live. And one of the vital tasks of a modern faith community, I believe, is to encourage us all towards greater wholeness, towards completeness, towards the integration of sometimes contradictory aspects of ourselves and our lives. And this is not the kind of healing that gives us a pill and tells us we'll live happily ever after. This is the kind of healing that recognises life as it really is, helps us to understand who we are, how we can best express ourselves as part of a whole community. In attending to the quality of our relationships one with another, we also have chance to mend broken aspects of our relationship with ourself and this inner work as you said Tristan can then ripple outwards to our society our wider world. So we have a few more weeks of this monthly ministry theme of healing and health ahead of us. Let's spend time exploring how we can make this community a place of healing, a place of care for one another and for our world. Amen. Perhaps the greatest gift we can give one another Is to listen with an open heart In the week ahead May your hearts be open to the lives of others And may you too find opportunities To share your life experience with someone who cares May you find someone to lean upon in your times of need, knowing that others will at some time be in need of your strength and wisdom. Amen. Go well and blessed be.